Thanks for tuning in to the Bible Belt Bros podcast. Again, it's just me, myself, and I, Dusty. But I have my uh, another bro besides Andrew here today. We got Kirk McCracken. He's a he's an editor of a newspaper. He's a photographer for a newspaper. He's a uh, Whatever else newspapers do, I don't even know anymore. Uh, let's see, what else does he do? He, uh, he he goes on Facebook a lot, gets yelled at by people for yeah. his posts, yeah. and uh, for posting uh, people's mugshots. I get I see that all the time. <laughs> people get mad, and I'm like, well, maybe if they didn't, <laughs> don't commit a crime. I mean, it's pretty simple. And now Kirk McCracken is an author of a bestseller book. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Creek See, County, Creek County bestseller. Creek County bestseller for two days running. <laughs> so, Kirk, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. It's good to be here. Uh, just really quick about when you were listing the different things that I did at the paper, it's pretty much everything these days. The way the newspaper business is uh, kind of, it's kind of morphed into pretty much a one-man show. I do have a girl that works for me, but uh, it's just kind of one of those industries that has... It's really made a lot of cuts because, um, you know, everything is going digital now. And, and although we do have social media and a web, you know, website and all that kind of stuff, the print edition is, is still, it's still there. It's still viable, but they, you know, they had to do some things to try to make it profitable. And so you see a lot of, you see a lot of positions getting cut, but someone still has to do them. So it's kind of one of those deals where it goes to a point where, you're the only one doing everything that needs to be done. So that's kind of how that works. And so your schedule is probably crazy. It's pretty crazy. I mean, it's 24 seven. You have to be on call. Like, uh, if there's an officer involved shooting or if there's a robbery or something like that, or, uh, an auto pedestrian fatality, which, uh, happened last week and I got yelled at for, <laughs> uh, you just have to be on call all the time. It, it is pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I, just sports games. Yeah. You know, that, I mean, that's all like away games. You have to go to the away games also. You know, here, the funny thing is I don't have to, but I want to. It's kind of one of those deals where you can take the easy way out and you can call the coach and you can get all the stats and things like that. But there are certain things that happen during games that you want to write about that you, you know, you want it to be a story that people want to read. You don't want it to just be stats. So, I mean, I don't have to. But I really get to know the kids, and you end up being a fan of those kids and those teams, and and so you want to go to those things. So yeah, I mean, when I was, uh, I I had done sports for since I started in two thousand one, and about two thousand, excuse me, two thousand thirteen is when I got the managing editor job and thought, okay, I'm going to put sports away now. I'm going to really focus on being this managing editor. And then about a year into it, they said, hey, we took your sports guy away, and now you're back to doing sports again and being a managing editor. And I was like, great. How much more am I going to get? And they were like, what are you talking about? You're not going to get anything. You know, no pay raise. You're just going to do it. So, yeah, it's. Well, for you to just have one job, what's your favorite aspect of working for the newspaper? Sports, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just, that's something I've I've always loved. Such a typical guy answer. I know. I know. But it's so cool watching these kids go from not being very good at freshman to be to being amazing and going and playing D1 somewhere. And then of course you have those special kids that are that are good you know they start as freshmen for varsity and you know they go on and play D1 but it's really it's it's fun to watch the you know the kids grow and, and mature into into young men and women as well as good athletes. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I bet. 
So tell us about your book. Okay, so I I've I didn't grow up here, okay. and, and I think was this a story back in the seventies, nineteen seventy six. So I wasn't even alive yet. Okay, I was two. You were two. Yeah. So so you're just going off your memory, very very vivid. Yeah, I remember memory. everything <laughs> from two years old to now. So I I just uh, it's something in a small town. Yeah. In the Bible Belt, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess we've got to bring yeah, it to some sort it is, of b- yeah. theme in the podcast here. I love a good murder murder mystery story. Uh, have you heard of we there? We got a uh, hunt a killer is called, what the game's called. Hmm. You get a package in the mail every month. Oh, with, I've heard about it. Yeah, with yeah, clues. Yeah, we we have a bunch of packages. We haven't we started it, but it was so like difficult and confusing with right. the other packages yeah. to move on to. So, um, but yeah, we've, well, that's, that's something my wife and I, we listen to murder mystery podcasts. There's a couple of them I'm ready to solve. Yeah. Personally. And, uh, but this was, this is pretty cool. It's, I mean, it's fake. You, you feel like it's fake, but then you could get hacked. And then the final clue is this is how you'll die. Uh, okay. <laughs> kind of what I wonder is what's going to happen. Nice. But you, your book is about a murder. The thing about the story that I love so much is that are so many different angles to it there are so many different parts to it and um basically the overview is that uh jerry bailey was the head coach at sepulpa high school just a few miles away and he decided to resign after five years um he thought he had taken the team as far as he could and had he didn't really have a lot of success there but he had seen a lot of success at earlier schools he had been the coach at so, um, he recommended all of his assistants, um, to the administration and said that any one of these guys could do the job. And one of the assistants in particular, his name was Paul Reger Jr. Uh, he had kind of, uh, been told that he wasn't recommended. And I guess he was starting to kind of come unhinged because he had been at Old Mogie before he had came to Sepulpa, and I think kind of the same thing happened there where he thought he was going to be the head coach and had kind of got passed up. So by the time he came to Sepulpa, he'd only been there for a year. He was slowly kind of coming unhinged, and um, on um, Thursday, January 22nd of 1976, both coaches uh, left the school parking lot together in uh, Paul Reger's car, uh, which was really unusual because class was getting ready to start. And so um, they never showed back up. And so after a really long search, they found both coaches in Bixby. Uh, Coach Bailey was dead in the trunk of Reger's car, and, and Reger was in an abandoned farmhouse kind of mumbling incoherently and uh, was dazed and, and, and confused. Um, and so he was arrested and... Uh, he really wouldn't cooperate with doctors or anything like that. And so they sent him to, uh, to North at Hillcrest hospital, which was their mental wing, their mental ward at the time. And so after several years of him going in and out of mental hospitals and, um, basically faking a mental illness, uh, one doctor finally said, look, you've got to stand trial. You're not, you're not mentally ill and he even admitted that his lawyer told him to to put on you know so he went to trial and was convicted and back then um you could only be convicted of first degree murder if you killed a police officer or a public official uh even if it was premeditated you got it was basically second degree murder was the most you could be uh prosecuted for so he, he was convicted 
Um, but back then they also had an appellate bond, which you could file an appellate bond and you could be out while your case was on appeal. So he was out just walking the streets of Okmogi. He moved back in with his mom in Okmogi, uh, for several years and, you know, other things happen or whatever. So the thing about the book is that Paul Rigger was black. Jerry Bailey was white. And at the time in Sepulpa, race relations were, were really, really, um, uh, heated. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a kind of a bad time. There were race riots at the school. And at one point they had to call in the national guard to come in and break it up. And, uh, wow. yeah, it was pretty crazy. But the thing about it is, is that in 1960, there was a tornado that wiped out part of Sepulpa. And that part was, it's called the hill. And that's where a lot of the black people live. And even, even to this day, I mean, Sepulpa is kind of segregated to a certain extent. Okay. And so when the tornado devastated that part of town, the black part of town, um, it forced integration several years before both sides were ready. And so it caused problems all up to the seventies because it just seemed like it never, you know, nothing ever got settled. There was a, a group of black kids that were, were angry that they were treated poorly and they were, they had a chip on their shoulder, which rightfully so. And then there was a group of white kids that were constantly picking on the black kids. <clears throat> and so it was just like pouring gasoline on fire. And so there's the race part of it. And then there's the, obviously the football part of it. Uh, Coach Bailey, before he came to Sepulpa, he won a state championship at Nowata, where my family's from. Um, we moved to Sepulpa when I was in kindergarten. But uh, so there's just all different aspects of the book that if you like football, if you like murder, I, mean, I know that's kind of creepy to say, but, the, <laughs> but I mean, there's a reason yeah. there's a true crime genre out there oh gosh that's ex- exploded in the yeah, podcast absolutely world. football history uh race you know murder the the trial you know the investigation you name it it's it's kind of got it all so well that's super interesting so what what provided you to write a book write a book about it well it it's kind of Funny, I, when I got the job, the, the first job in journalism that I got was at the Sepulpa newspaper and, uh, it was as a sports writer. And so almost immediately I started looking for football records because I wanted to prepare for the upcoming season and I was really ready to jump in and there were none. I could, there, I mean, I couldn't find them anywhere. And so I called the high school to the athletic department and, uh, Steve Shibley was the athletic director at the time. And I said, uh, I said, Hey, I need the, the records, you know, football records for the school. And he's like, we don't, we don't have football records. And I was like, what are you talking about? You have to have records. He's like, no, we don't keep that stuff. And I said, well, how do you know when some kid's going to break a record? And he's like, ah, somebody calls us and tells us, you know, <laughs> and, and it, by no fault of his, because I think that's what he inherited. I just don't think they ever kept records. So I went all the way back to 1912, uh, looking at microfilm yearbooks, old newspaper clippings and tried to get as much information as possible. And so I started putting all these records together. Well, by the time I got to the seventies, I saw coach Bailey's name and I said, Oh, that's right. I remember him. My, my parents talked about him. They told me the story about the murder and I was just curious. Um, and I wanted to read about it. So by the, by the time I was flipping through the microfilm and I got to the first one about the coaches missing, kind of like all the blood rushed to my head and I just got this warm feeling like I found it, you know, it's like finding buried treasure, you right. know? So I started reading and every day there was something about the story in the paper. And so as I read about it, I realized there were some, some pretty big things that my parents had wrong. And, and at Sepulpa, no one ever talked about this murder. And I, and I mean, no one. 
Coach Bailey's wife was also a teacher, and his kids were teenagers when this happened. Well, they stayed in Sepulpa after his murder, and she actually taught there up until, I think, around 1996. So out of, like, respect to them, no one really ever talked about it. Um, and so all the rumors that we heard, they were, they were almost kind of like whispered, you know, hush hush kind of, kind of things. So when I saw that some of the information was wrong, I just started compiling as much as I could basically to tell my parents that they were wrong, you know, about these certain things. And the more information that I compiled, the more I thought, man, I, I, I need to put all this together and, and all this stuff. So as I started putting it together, the idea came for a book, but I, I literally had no intention of writing a book. So right how, how long have you been working on this project? Well, I started like in 2003. And so it took me about two years to research and write it. And when I did that, I started sending it to publishing companies. And well, first of all, back then you needed to get a, an agent, for, like a book agent first. And then that agent did all the work for you. So I would try to find an agent and I couldn't find one. No one was taking on new clients or they weren't doing that you know, true crime genre where they're like, your book sucks. I don't know. No one ever said that, which is good, <laughs> but I, I honestly believe that not, not many of them read it. I mean, I, I just sent them the first chapter and cause I just was so weird about sending the whole thing to people. Yeah. Um, and so I was kind of like Brian Wilson of the beat of the beach boys. You know, I didn't want anyone to hear my stuff cause I thought everybody was going to steal it. You know, mm-hmm. it was kind of the same thing. Um, but, uh, so then when that didn't work, I, I sent it to publishing companies and I would just get these rejection letters like, Hey, I'm sure this is great, but we're not, we're not taking on any new authors. And so actually, as a matter of fact, one said, we're doing celebrity cookbooks now that they're just, it's low hanging fruit. It's easy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, uh, so, uh, I put it away for like 10 years, didn't even touch it. And then several years ago, my kids who are now in college, they were like, Dad, you got to publish your book. you got to publish the book. So I got it out, and I read it, and it was horrible. I mean, it read like a news story. There was no – it didn't read like true crime at all. And I love true crime. I read it constantly. And so uh, I went back and completely rewrote it, and that took me about a year. And then I edited and I edited it and then just kept adding, kept adding. And finally I got to a point where I said, okay, you just got to publish this thing. And so that you can only perfect it so much. Yeah, I mean, I could add for the rest of my for the rest of my life, Mm -hmm. you know. But I decided it was time to publish it, and so I did. Sweet. So I've been on Facebook, and and I'm I'm starting to not like your. I haven't read your book, but (laughs) there's so many posts about. If I see one more sponsored post about. Your book. I, know. I might go murder somebody. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what I'm, and then I can write a story about it. And then you that, can, that's my next book. That is, that's your marketing scheme right there. <laughs> You're just trying to create more murders to go from that. You know, that, that's the thing. I, I, I really put it out there a lot at first and I spawn, and I actually boosted a couple of the, the posts. You know, you have to pay to reach more people. Yeah. Uh, and then I really backed off of it. Uh, but that's the thing. Like, it's really hard to get it out there if if you don't have a big publishing company behind it, like mm-hmm. really pushing it. It's you're you're on your own, and so I I threw it out there quite a bit, and um, it's it's actually done really really well. Because I think because of the subject matter, because of uh, you know a lot of people hearing the story and not 
really knowing about it. And 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 honestly, there have been some bad reviews too. I'm not going to come on here and say that everyone has absolutely loved yeah. it. There are some people that said there's too much football in it. There are too many stats. Well, I've heard the opposite, where there's like too much about race, and they they didn't understand and how much could be. And that's why I tried to paint that picture where in 1976 there are a lot of towns that were kind of over the racial stuff or, or they were, it was kind of on the way out or, or it wasn't as bad, but, but as the pulpit really at that time it was. And so there have been some great reviews. There have been some reviews that are just like, you know, it was too much football. It was, and I, I hadn't heard the one about race, but I could see where someone would say that. But in, in that genre and you like true crime, <clears throat> they really put a lot of history and a lot of other stuff to try to set up what you're, reading about and it kind of gives you a glimpse into the town that they're talking about you know or 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 whatever or what kind of what's going on at the time you know i mean you could write a book about the the 70s and you know if you don't explain that the the guy is wearing bell bottoms and butterfly collars and all that kind of stuff you're going to picture those guys in today like today so you have to add a lot of color a lot of you know uh fluff I guess, for lack of a better word. Right. Well, and to get a better idea of the story. Cause you're painting you're, a picture. You're trying to, pre- yeah. You're yeah. trying to get them to visualize what's going on, try to get in the mindset of the characters. And so, I mean, I can see that. I hate reading personally, so um, I'll wait for the book on tape sure. version to come out. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But how, like, where is your book available at now? It's on Amazon. You can get a ebook or you can get a paperback. Um, I've got, uh, I'm, I also sell it, uh, right now I've got a couple places in Sepulpa that are going to start selling it. They're going to start carrying it. One is Able Nation. It's, uh, it's actually a clothing store. Uh, a buddy of mine from high school uh, started, uh, he used to do weightlifting and, and all that kind of stuff. And we're too old for that now. We're in our forties, but, uh, he started a clothing line and it's, it's been really successful and, and he's going to carry it there at his store. And, um, a lot of people have bought the ebook. A lot of people have bought, you know, paperback. And I'm going to do three book signings over the next three weekends, and they're going to be be available there. Uh, Saturday, I'm going to be at uh, the Sepulpa Museum, uh, which is February 3rd, from noon to two. And then next Saturday, which is the 10th, I'll be at uh, Ground Floor Salon in Sand Springs uh, from noon to two. And then on the 17th, I'll be at the No Water Museum. Uh, that's a Saturday from noon to two as well. You're gonna get a statue in Noata, like a. I should you're now an author. I should. You're so I su- mean, you're really successful. Most probably the most successful person. I have to be. <laughs> I'm trying to think. There's there's got to be someone successful from Noata. I'm I'm probably missing it, but there's got to be. I don't know who that would be. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard the jokes your whole life of the. There's no water. Oh, absolutely. And, and I go into that in the book too. The, the, how they got their name and everything. And it's all speculation, man. I don't think Mm -hmm. anyone really knows, but whenever I was born, I was actually born in Bartlesville because at the time, no water didn't have a hot, well, I still don't, but like a hospital that could, you know, handle uh, birth. So my parents lived in no water. I was born in Bartlesville. And then about the time that I was going into kindergarten, we moved to Sepulpa. We'd actually lived in Sand Springs for about a year. I think about a year. Moved to Sepulpa, but I spent all my summers in Nowata at my grandma's house. My parents had four kids, and so they would just ship us to my grandma's over the summer. And uh, I think that's how they're still sane to this day. So, 
So now I'm assuming you've got the writer's bug. Is that yeah. what they call it? Yeah. So uh, if you could write another book or more books, what, what genre would you go at? Uh, true crime. True I crime. mean, yeah, honestly, I... There's there it's a chapter in the book, but my my cousin, my mom's cousin, I think he's my second cousin, his name is D Page. He was the starting quarterback on the Noata State Championship team uh in 1970, and Coach Bailey was the head coach then. They were called the Dirty 30. It was uh 30 guys on the team, class 2A. They weren't supposed to really do well at all. Um I think they were picked like second to last in their district. And they ended up winning the state championship, and they had to beat the number three, number two, and the number one team in the state to to do that. And I think that would be a pretty cool book because uh, some of the adversity they had to face and all that kind of stuff. But true crime is – that's my thing. That's what I love to do. And I, I'd i really like to kind of stay local and really find out some of uh, – maybe some unsolved crimes around here. I know there's there was a murder that happened in Sand Springs, I think, around 1982. I've had several people – uh, send me messages and say, Hey, you need to look into this. You know, uh, I don't believe it's been solved and I've heard a little bit about it. So, you know, I, I've just got to find something and start writing again. Well, isn't Tulsa kind of one of the highest homicide oh, yeah. rates right now? So, right now, yeah. I mean, you'll have plenty of opportunity. Absolutely. <laughs> you want to get and into If it slows down, stories. I'll just start killing people myself. And, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> supply and demand <laughs> exactly right <laughs> well that's interesting because i mean i like i said like i've never heard i think a lot of people that like your book are people that have lived here their whole life and never heard the story yeah. of a murder and of that of that magnitude yeah and what's crazy is that uh the people that even lived in sepulpa hadn't heard about it and that that's insane to me because right now if there was a murder that happened here you and i would know about it but if you you got to think about the only way that they would have heard it in 76 would either be reading the newspaper, watching the, the 6 o'clock news, or just word of mouth. Now you've got Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, you know, the I mean, way. A lot of murders are happening live on Facebook. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> absolutely right, yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, it, it's just, I think that's what makes the book so interesting is that a lot of people hadn't heard about it, you know. And, and just the story itself sure. is an interesting story to begin with. Sure. And my amazing writing. That's, a, you know, yeah. part of it. Probably has nothing to do with it. <laughs> Podcasting. Yeah. You you currently have a podcast. I forgot to mention that in the no, intro. No, it's okay. Me and Rusty are kind of on hiatus. We need to get it going again. Yeah, that's that's kind of how it goes with podcasts. Yeah. It's just like, crap, man. I have, all of a sudden, it's been a couple months, and you're like, man, I need to, to get, get this thing moving. Yeah, I'm really lazy. And uh, he's really busy. You put those together, and uh, <laughs> the chances of not recording that week are, are pretty really high. high. <laughs> well, like my friend Andrew, he's usually a co-host on here, yeah. and so I just finally was like, I'm just gonna do it. I don't. If you show up, cool. That's a bonus. I got a mic for you. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so technically, this is my podcast <laughs> for the last few episodes. Well, as far as podcasts go. I started, I started trying to listen to some true crime podcasts. And, uh, what, what was crazy to me is I found a, there were a lot of, like, okay, when I first started getting into it, I thought, okay, I want to learn more about the Axeman of Chicago. And so I typed that in. And what I found were a lot of podcasts that were like plays where they were reading a script and they were acting out. I don't, I don't want that. I don't, you know, I want to hear people talking about the situation. And so, um, 
I came across one called uh, Generation Y, I believe, and uh, had listened to it quite a bit, but I found myself kind of yelling at it because there were, especially when they, they talked about the Girl Scout murders um, that happened in Oklahoma in 1977, I just was constantly yelling at, at my phone listening to it because there was there was so much they didn't know about it, and you could tell that they get a lot of their information off, you know, line or whatever, online, and um, it, it's a good podcast, but I mean, there are just some times where you could tell they're just churning out content content and it's not really, you can tell they're not really believing what they're, you know, saying it's not like it's something that they're passionate about or I like that particular subject or whatever. But, uh, I found a couple that I really like. I don't listen to it on a regular basis, but, uh, it's becoming pretty, that, that genre is becoming pretty popular as far as podcasts go. So have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe even start with the the story of the book, make that a season yeah, one. Yeah, I've, th- I've thought about it. I think it'd be kind of cool. Um, and then yeah, I think it would be neat to, to do that. And then I like people that kind of stay in their lane. like Stay like, in your lane, girl. <laughs> like, you know, like Anne Rule, uh, a famous true crime author. Um, she's churned out so many books, and they're about murders that have happened all over the country. I think it would be neat to focus on Oklahoma or Tulsa or Sand Springs or Sepulpa or whatever this area. Um, just because a lot of things happen here that the rest of the nation doesn't really ever hear about. And as a writer, you know about these towns, you know about these situations and you know, people that you can talk to and absolutely easier access. Yeah. Them. Cause it's, you know, I, it, the funny thing when I was researching my book, um, I had started interviewing tons of people and I interviewed coach Bailey's kids and I interviewed coaches that were, that were friends with him and stuff like that. And then whenever I found out where I could find the court transcripts and the crime scene photos, autopsy, all that, I went and found it. And whenever I read those same, the, the same people, when I read their testimony in the court transcripts, it mirrored what they told me. I mean, that, that stuff is burned into their brain. And the thing I like about the murder mystery podcast is those interviews are in vocal form. So you're hearing a person yeah. instead of you reading. Right what they're saying or, yeah. or or you as an author or even as a podcaster just reading their statement you're now hearing it from their voice and yeah. it's just interesting anybody like at one point i was a self-proclaimed expert of the manson murders i had read helter skelter like 3 times i couldn't get enough of of that that was kind of my introduction to um true crime as my dad gave me his copy of helter skelter and um I, I couldn't get enough of it. So anybody can come on and talk about Charles Manson from what they've heard or what they've read or even watching an interview with him. Um, but I like this. I like it when you can tell that the person talking about it or the author or whatever is really passionate about that particular thing because it means something to them. It's, it's from where they're at. It's, it's, you know, where they're from or, or what they know, you know, that kind of thing. And that's the hard part when, when you do a, a successful book, for instance, and then you're going to have to, you're going to be asked to write another one. Sure. And well, like you're not as passionate about that story, not right. as knowledgeable about that story. And, and, it's, and if it's local, I think you can, you can make yourself <laughs> that passionate and that knowledgeable, you know, instead of just trying to turn out content, you know, but, uh, that's just me. That's just my thing. That's great. Well, your book's called what? We never said the title. It's called Because of the Hate, which kind of caused a little bit of controversy because whenever I announced that, 
there were some people that sent me a message and they were like, there was no hate. He never hated him. That's, that's not what it was about. And I was like, well, that's a direct quote. <laughs> they asked him, you know, one of the police officers asked Gregor, why did you kill Bailey? And he said, because of the hate. So, I mean, it's his own it was words. More hit, not that he hated the person, but that he felt hated. Or right. He felt, yeah, it could have been that he felt hated. It could have been that he hated Bailey. It could have been that he just hated his life and the situation that he was in and they didn't get the job. But it was a direct quote, and so that's why I went with it. So because of the hate available on... Amazon, Amazon.com. Um, you just type it in, and it's there, and um, it'll be at my book signings and Able Nation in Sepulpa. Able Nation in downtown Sepulpa. Yep. Catch Kirk at a basketball game or something. Yeah, I'll sign a book. I don't mind. He probably has them in the trunk of his that's car. Right. I carry them in my pocket. <laughs> Everywhere you go. <laughs> that's right. So check it out. Um I hope hope your book keeps selling. I hope people Thanks. keep hearing about it. Maybe I'll read it someday. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe I'll read it to you. Because I know you don't. That's what I'm. It. If you do book on tape, I want you to read it. I will. You read the book. I'm actually going to come over to your house and read it. This tape stuff. Forget that. I'm going to come over and read it to you. Okay. I'll do that. <laughs> Bedtime stories with yeah. Kirk. Yeah. Put on a nightcap. And we'll... I don't know if a murder <laughs> book is a good bedtime story. <laughs> Maybe not so much. Who knows. Man, I just realized how old I am for referring to it as book on tape. Ugh, whatever. All right, we'll buy Kirk's book because of the hate. And uh, apparently for an additional price, he may come and read you, to you in person. So check that out. Also, I just want to give out a special thanks to Ricardo and the band Falls for providing us with some sweet music that you're listening to right now. And... Well, if you're interested, they have some upcoming shows that you might be wanting to attend. On the 14th, Valentine's Day, they are at the PH Community House for Piano and Painting. And then on the 15th, you'll find them in Shreveport, Louisiana. The 16th, they're in Russellville, Arkansas. The 17th, they are in Springfield, Missouri. And then back in Tulsa on the 24th. So check them out on Facebook. That's J-U-N-F-A-L-L-S. For more info on their touring dates... And thanks again for supporting this podcast with your ears. Uh, we appreciate a little share on Facebook, a little like, and uh, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes for more with Kirk about uh, more serial killers I think we'll talk about and other special guests that we have coming up. We'll see you next week. <laughs>